Hello, hello, this is Domin de Groot, and welcome to the Witch Hunter podcast from Audio Epics. Each week a new chapter of this epic fantasy adventure is released, and you can already buy the entire story if you want, in the form of a USB flash drive, cleverly disguised as a cassette tape, and as a download. Both come loaded with extras, including a beautiful map of the city where the story takes place, a number of illustrations and wallpaper, and so on. And yes, if you buy the story, you also get the music separately. A lot of people have commented how great the music is in this story. And, uh, well, I tend to agree. The music is composed by Peter van Riet, who has also composed music for a number of other interesting projects, including the epic Lock and Key. But I'm sure that's not why you're here. You're here for the next chapter of Witch Hunter. Last week, Ludlov and Samina set out on a dark journey indeed, and this week, their path will lead them into the very depths of Seven Peaks. So I would say sit back, enjoy the ride, in the next chapter of Witch Hunter. Veritas Ludlove remained somewhat apprehensive as the storyteller led them back on the staircase and through the tunnels they had used to find the ghost streets. Just how reliable was this creature? They followed the same road back for a little while, but then the storyteller took a sharp turn right, and so they followed him into tunnels they hadn't visited yet before. Ludlov stayed in the back to guard the other two, while Samina used her light to guide the company. They continued through the same dank gloom they had seen before, until their guide suddenly held still in the middle of a tunnel. Listen well, it's what you must do now. The sewers are the place where we are now. But there is another road which you must now take. A secret road is what it is, and the man who came from above is the one who had it made. When he left us is when I followed him. I was not seen by him. The secret way was what I discovered. Taken by this man, a secret tunnel which he had dug. A crack in the wall is what there will soon be to our right. Through it is where you must go. And ever up is where the tunnel will lead you. The road to the story is what that is. The story is what you must find. Ludlov regarded Samina, who looked displeased. But what of Sigurd? Did he take this way? Careful. It is a man which you seek. But I fear the masked ones is what you will find. Further is where I fear to go. The other children are the ones who expect me. Will you not join us? The storyteller is who I am. 
You are who the heroes are. Then the creature turned away from them. Ludlov would not leave it at this, though. He strode towards the storyteller and clasped his right shoulder in a firm grip. Wait! The creature turned towards him again. The one large eye searched Ludlov's face while the small one remained static. One more thing, creature. If you have any intention of betraying us to anyone, in any way, know that I always find my prey. The white eyes of the storyteller were difficult to read, but there didn't seem to be any anger or even shock there. Betrayal is not the work of the storyteller. A truth-sayer is what I am. Truth is what awaits you. Dark truth. Evil truth. But truth nonetheless. Truth is what you seek. Is it not, hunter friend? Ludlov had developed a habit of listening to his gut over the years, and his gut believed the creature. So be it then. Farewell, storyteller. Samina's orb of light floated from beside Ludlov's shoulder and landed softly on the storyteller's nose. He smiled, revealing cluttered ashes and dirt piled up between his grey little teeth and his gums. It was perhaps the ugliest smile Ludlov had ever seen, but also one of the most endearing. Farewell, dear friend. The storyteller bowed. It was a surprisingly elegant gesture, his long arm moving sinuously in a graceful arc behind him. Farewell, fair one, and her hunter friend. Then he turned around again, patted away, and disappeared from sight. It was quiet now. Ludlov and Samina were entirely alone once more. We can do this without him, you know. It made Ludlov smile. <laughs> do what exactly? Follow a mysterious tunnel no one has used in centuries, only to reach we don't know what? He immediately regretted his words. He should be encouraging her to move on, not the other way around. Ludlov? He looked at her. She narrowed her eyes, peering into his own as if she was expecting to spot something remarkable there. Were you the one who shot the witch hunter who threatened me during the fire? The image of Vathek's corpse plummeting to the street returned to his mind's eye. The look of shock in that witch hunter's eye, and the blood that spilled like wine. And Samina kneeling next to her dying mother. He wondered what judgment awaited a man like Vathek in death. Then he returned to the present, realizing that while he had been reliving that moment, Samina had been studying his expression. I think I'm beginning to understand it now, Ludlov. Your reputation? Why didn't you tell me this back when you were trying to gain my trust? Back in your cell. It wouldn't have worked. You would have seen it as a lie to gain your trust. Samina smiled. That's probably true. So much has changed and in so little time. 
You have done more for my mother and me than anyone else in Seven Peaks would love. Too little, too late. I should have got both of you to safety on the night of the fire. Your mother could have survived. And you wouldn't have been captured. I'm sorry, Samina. You did not fail, Ludlov. You saved us from Vathek. And for that, I am grateful. She spoke with authority when she said that. Still, he could have done more, Ludlov thought. His mind strayed to Maria. Perhaps if he had been more careful and less selfish in his younger days, he could have avoided her death as well. He certainly could have been more discreet. No one knew what Maria had really been. But if they had, a magistrate marrying a witch, that would have turned more than a few heads. Not just from his peers, but from the monsters too. The ones he hunted. The ones... The ones that hated him. If anyone in the Black Sickle would have known, it certainly would have drawn their attention. What if Maria had never been killed? Perhaps the whole tragedy would never have happened if he hadn't married her. Semino was still looking at him earnestly. No, Ludlov. You could not foresee what would happen. Don't be angry with yourself. Thank you. Ludlov sighed and bowed his head. Then he suddenly decided to sit down on the dry but dirty tunnel floor. He took off his hat and ran his hand through his dark hair. Samina knelt down next to him, closely followed by her light, which hovered now between her shoulder and his. How is it that you know so well what I'm thinking? <laughs> She laughed. A sudden bright laugh that illuminated the darkness around them. <laughs> Ludlov, I may have magic powers, but I can't read your mind. It's you who betray yourself more than you think. I want you to know I trust you. I depend on you. He understood. Despite what she had just said, she had to know. Samina, the man who shot Vathek... Even the man who shot the mayor. That may no longer be the man here with you now. What do you mean? Something's changing inside of me. I can, I can feel it. And while it sometimes frightens me... He didn't know how to end that sentence. You think it also gives you hope? Ludlov thought about that. Perhaps... But I still don't know what the origins are of this change. Maybe it's not really hope, but only hope of hope. But even that is more than I've had in a long time. Good. Then she got up and reached out her hand to him. He smiled, took his hat and put it on, then regarded her hand. I'm not an old man. I can get up. But thank you. Samina shook her head and kept her hand out. No, Ludlov. This time, you take my hand. Her voice had been unusually commanding. He took her hand and then was startled when a warm glow emanated from her grip into his arm, traveling quickly to the very center of his body. With a force far beyond her appearance, 
She pulled him up like he was a small child. He stared at her in utter shock. I want you to depend on me too, Ludlow. The goddess herself has placed this burden upon your shoulders, my lady. It is holy. Sitting back and drumming her fingers on her desk, Lady Hoskiv could not help but smile. Golivosk was intelligent, but he was a simple man in many ways. This was not a weakness, though. She admired it. Get up and take a seat, Golivosk. I'm your grand general, not the new cardinal. The Inquisitor obeyed. They were in the Grand General's office in the Witch Hunter headquarters. It was a place defined by its maroon carpet and walls. The marble hearth contrasted with that color like clean white bones sticking out of a meat carcass. The lady sat behind a massive desk, next to a window with green glass looking out into a maze garden. Forgive me if I have embarrassed you, my lady. But you are the highest human authority in the world now. Worse than that, I fear. The mayor's death passed secular authority to me. Now that the cardinal has also died, religious power is in my hands as well. I fear I am in charge of everything now. No single person has been in that position since King Wolfen himself, and it frightens me to death, Golliwosk. Still, it cannot be mere chance that this has happened. The goddess must have great plans for you. Endearing as it all was, the lad could be so annoying. There was nothing slimy or sycophantic about his idolation of her, but somehow his sincerity was even worse. Either that, or I'm just the next stone in line to topple. Now tell me, what have you seen? I have not seen it myself, lady, but I have heard it from the guards. There has been strange activity inside the cathedral. The light of the sacred stones has increased, I know. There is nothing we can do about that, Golliwosk. It might be a sign of hope, or it might be that swan song, but whatever it is, no mortal holds any power over them. I mean something else, my lady. Golliwosk's eyes were wide. Not in the seven spires, in the cathedral itself. There have been sounds and sightings. Sightings of what? Hoskiv was getting impatient. A man or a beast we cannot tell. He looked like a priest, but he had the head of a raven, they said. Lady Hoskiv shook her head. It was probably a cultist. Black sickle, most likely. Before his death, Mayor Grundheim had told her that Ludlow had faced off a similar being in Adomir's burning house. With the Magicide Act and the death of Seven Peaks leaders, end of the world cults would be increasing their activity manifold. It was just yet another responsibility she would have to deal with. Search the entire cathedral. There might be more of them. I don't want those maniacs anywhere near the goddess's holy terrain. Gorivosk nodded but he lacked the look of determination she had seen in him before. In fact, he didn't look very good at all. Are you all right, Inquisitor? Are you frightened of the coming days? 
Golivosk shook his head. It's not that lady. I mean, I am, but... He looked out of the window, swallowing hard. It was unbecoming and out of character for him. She searched his eyes. Speak, Golivosk. In my pursuit of Ludlov, I tracked down a group of Sintra refugees. They were led by an old man, a healer of some sort. I had heard rumors that a man fitting Ludlov's description had been seen near his hut. The Grand General raised her eyebrows. Why had he not mentioned this before? Any lead to Ludlov's whereabouts was of the utmost importance. Well, I found them. He avoided her eyes. In a cave. They were hiding from the Magicide Act. There were children there. I... I pressed the old man. He wouldn't tell me anything. I may have gone too far. He... He died. What do you mean? You killed him? Not intentionally, my lady. I think he was too old, too exhausted, too frightened. I think his heart gave out. Lady Hosgive sighed. That healer would have been the ideal witness. Such a waste. Ludlov's trace had probably gone entirely cold now. I suppose you couldn't stop that. Anything else? No, lady. He was trembling. Speak, Inquisitor. No matter what it is you have to say, I command you to speak. He was quiet for a bit, but she could tell he was gathering the courage to say something. Then he turned and met her eyes. There were families there. Children. I ordered my men to end their lives. We... We lined them up and executed them. You followed your orders, Skolliwosk. That is the Magicide Act. As the Grand General said this, she felt her stomach contracting as the words left her lips. I've never killed a child before, lady. I know that it's for the protection of Seven Peaks. I know that if we don't kill the magicians, then they will allow Lucas to return. But somehow, somehow, I can't help but wonder. So do I, Inquisitor. Our task is not glorious. It is not beautiful, but it is our task. Gorlivosk took a deep breath. I know you are right, lady. We do what we must. The mages have had their time. They have been warned. The world does not belong to them. Startled, Hoskiv stared at him. The world does not belong to any of us, she was about to say. No. That was not what Gorlivosk needed to hear right now. No, it doesn't. You did your task. The goddess will forgive you, since you acted for the greater good. Soon the magicide will be over and we can leave this dark chapter behind us. Just be glad that I will forgive you as well for losing Ludlov's trail. That will not happen a second time, Gorlivosk. The cardinal's words flashed through her mind again. Mundus non nobis advertinit. She ignored them. Now we must search and guard the cathedral. Come, I will join you.
Ludlov and Samina were both weakened by hunger and fatigue. There wasn't much to be done about the latter problem as they needed to press on as fast as possible. Who knew what might lurk in these tunnels and what might be happening on the surface? The mere thought of the words Magicide Act conjured up images in Ludlov's mind he wished he could ignore. The hunger, luckily, was one problem they could deal with to some extent, thanks to the food Ludlov had received from Doctor. Ludlov had no idea what to expect once they found Sigurd. He hoped they would find him safe and sound and well out of the Black Sickle's reach so they could take him to a safe place. Perhaps they'd even managed to reunite with Doctor and the other Magicide survivors. It was a foolish hope, though. There was little chance Sigurd would not be on the run from the Black Sickle if he had been able to escape their influence at all. If he was indeed their fugitive, Ludlov would not even consider taking him to Doctor and the survivors. The risk of betraying them was far too great. He wasn't sure to what extent he could communicate these worries to Samina. She seemed to be set on one goal at a time, and right now, the only one on her mind was finding her brother. Could he blame her for that? Ludlov had been an only child, half-orphaned and raised by a stern and distant father. But as limited as his own family experiences had been in life, he understood how inexplicably strong the bonds of blood were. He took a deep breath. The gnawing feeling in his stomach strengthened his drive to move on. He didn't know why. There was probably no feast awaiting them at the end of these tunnels. Are you hungry, Samina? We can eat once we've found Sigurd. Fair enough. He didn't respond and continued on down the dark tunnels with Samina and her light. At least an hour passed before they finally found the crack in the wall that the storyteller had mentioned. It was quite narrow. Samina could easily walk through it, but Ludlov would have to squeeze. Behind it, there was a quiet, gaping blackness. Even though Samina commanded their only guiding light, still Ludlov felt he would have to go first. At the precise moment when he had made that decision, a terrible feeling of despair and anguish came over him. He didn't even know what it was, but it shocked him profoundly, like an animal that had wandered into a trapper's net. In a single instant, all hope was sucked out of his very being. He felt so weakened by the sensation that he had to reach for the wall to support himself. Are you alright, Ludlov? Samina's voice echoed strangely. He shook his head. The moment of despair was gone. He felt normal again. I'm... I'm... I'm fine. Maybe it's time to have something to eat after all. Perhaps she was right. Just a quick bite then. They sat down in the middle of the tunnel with Doctor's bag of provisions and rationed the food rigorously. Ludlov had had enough experience with longer trips in the wilderness to know that a single concession to a moment of hunger could initiate a habit leading to rapidly disappearing provisions. The yellow roots 
tasted surprisingly like rye bread. You know what these roots are, Samina? Really, Ludlov just wanted to engage in some lighter conversation for a change. Of course I do, Ludlov. They're snap flower roots, Samina shrugged. Oh. They grow on the moors of Naughty Venendale. You have to watch out for them if you're barefoot. They eat meat and they can snap a chunk right out of your heel with those beaks of theirs. Ankle-snapping, meat-eating flowers. Sounds like something Gustav would like. As he took a last bite from the root, he thought he could actually taste the meat of the flower's victims, and his appreciation waned somewhat. He reached for one of the flasks Doctor had provided and uncorked it. The smell of the blue potion reminded Ludlov of the sap of a pine tree. The taste was less intense than expected. He gave Samina a sidelong glance. She was nibbling the root with the refinement of a patrician lady, he thought. Not at all like the gypsies he had often seen slouching on the streets. Samina had always been remarkable in that way, even when he had first met her in that cell. Who was your father, Samina? She smiled and didn't respond until she had swallowed the root. He came from Seven Peaks. We lived in the eastern countryside of Yvenendale, near the northern borders of the Wildwood. He had come there to escape the busy life of the city. Rudlov pictured the man in his mind, graying but still strong. For some reason, he imagined Samina's father to have been a quiet, unassuming gentleman with an adventurous spirit and a hint of playfulness in his eye. What happened to him? Her eyes glistened, but she smiled at him again. He married a witch. Ludlov bit his lip. Saying he was sorry seemed too trite, even though he wanted to. So instead he said, So did I. A warm breeze of peace passed through his heart as he did so. I had suspected something like that, Ludlov. Silence passed between them. It was a peaceful, gentle silence. Ludlov even closed his eyes. He suddenly realized how rare it was to be able to enjoy such peace. He knew they had to move on quickly, but just for one brief moment, he wanted to savor the perfect stillness. As he absorbed the darkness, he noticed how Samina was utterly quiet as well. He smiled in a moment of complete contentment. Then he opened his eyes. Samina sat in front of him, eyes wide with shock and horror. She sat there stiffened, her face paler than before and her mouth wide open. She was looking at something behind him. Ludlov got up immediately and turned around, drawing his pistol. It wasn't loaded, but no one knew that. There was nothing there, except the featureless tunnel they had taken before. I saw something move. He turned towards her. It was only for a brief moment, but it was there, behind you. Describe it. She began to move her body in slow, trembling movements, like a frozen person who was just beginning to defrost. She stood up. It was a tall person, dressed in some sort of... rope. Do you think it was a man or a woman? 
I don't know. I'm not even sure it was human, Ludloff. It seemed to have a long beak, like a raven. The masked ones. Of course. Ludloff had met them before. Precisely at that moment, the most horrific scream Ludloff had ever heard echoed from deep in the tunnel behind them. It was a sound of indescribable suffering, lasting for several seconds. Then a horrible, lonesome silence fell. Ludlov and Samina exchanged a look of utter bewilderment. Then the witch hunter woke up inside of Ludlov, and he turned. He had to go back and see what had happened. To his surprise, Samina followed right behind him. They hastened through the darkness until the source of the sound was visible. Samina's light revealed a puddle of bright red blood. Behind it, a lifeless lump was vaguely visible. Samina, shine your light a little further. She hesitated for a moment, but then gestured for the light to float away from her soundlessly, past Ludlov's shoulder. Gradually, the light revealed a trail of extricated innards, and finally, the corpse itself. It was the storyteller. <gasps> Samina turned round, refusing to look at the gruesome scene any longer. Her light remained, untouched by the horror of it all. Ludlov tried to take in the image in a manner of a witch hunter, detached and inquisitive. But it was hard to forget the friendly creature. He had to have followed them after all. What had caused him to do that? His family had expected him. He took a few careful steps towards the eviscerated body and knelt. He held his breath and tried to take in as much information as he could before getting up and turning away from the horror. Samina had distanced herself from the corpse and walked away. The light floated behind her. Ludlov followed her. They walked side by side for a while, without speaking, until Samina stopped and put her hand on her mouth. For a moment, Ludlov thought she was about to throw up, but then he saw the silver tears rolling from her eyes. They weren't just bright. They were luminous. Someone has removed his heart. Ludlov put away his pistol. This had been no mere murder. He had seen ritual killings before, albeit never one so violent. The entire ribcage had been cracked wide open. Could a human being have done anything like this? He wondered. It would have taken enormous strength, sharp tools, and sheer animalistic savagery. I have taken the heart, witch hunter. It was a dark voice, amplified by magic. The Ravenbeak! Samina pointed past Ludlov. He turned and saw a familiar appearance. It was a man dressed in a deep purple robe, wearing a raven mask. A member of the Black Sickle. A masked one. The figure was surrounded by magical fire, blood red and burning slowly, moving like seaweed in an underwater current. Yours is a perilous but necessary path, Ludlov and Samina. 
Ludlov drew his rapier, but the figure didn't react at all. Take the path to the bitter end, no matter where it may lead. Then you will find what you seek. Then, without any warning, the masked one vanished, leaving no trace. He wasn't really there. It was just a mirage. The creature I saw before was the real masked one. Ludlov believed her. It was the only explanation that made any sense. In any case, he's gone now. When he closed his eyes, he could still see the fire that had surrounded the being, now in a deep green. It had been the same fire he had seen around the teacher when he had come to Adamir's commemoration at the mayor's mansion. I wonder whether the masked one has something in common with this teacher. Teacher? Sigurd mentioned the teacher in his letter, remember? He said the teacher had a plan for us. Do you know what he meant? On the evening when Hoskiv declared the enforcement of the Magicide Act, we were all visited by a terrible apparition at the mayor's home. All we could see was a silhouette surrounded by red tongues of fire. Whatever this being was, it warned us about the so-called sacred power of the stones and told Hoskiv to have magic users exterminated once and for all. But why? I don't understand the reason. Neither do I, Samina. But I fear we will soon understand more than we asked to know. Do you know why the attack was so ferocious, Ludlov? I still do not. A moment passed as a look of pity overtook Death's features. It's because of the curse that poor storyteller bore. You see, a being like him cannot be killed as long as his heart can beat. It is the nature of the unnaturally long lives led by those children of the ghost streets. The murderer had to resort to horrible violence just to be able to take his life. Ludlov recalled the corpse. The splintered ribs. The splattered viscera. Besides feral bloodlust, it would have required superhuman strength. And claws. Suddenly he remembered them. Silver thimbles with sharp spikes, like needles, extending from the masked one's fingertips. Even here, in Death's womb, the image haunted him, maybe even more so now that he knew what had lurked behind the murderer's raven mask. He left that trail of thought behind as he realized his gaze was caught by the candlelight again. It was short now. A little tower standing on a shapeless accumulation of wax. Did you continue on the road the storyteller had set out for you? We did. They passed through the crack, Ludlov having to squeeze as expected. The tunnels beyond were much narrower. They could just barely walk side by side. The road twisted and turned and took them higher again. It was a more tiring journey now. The brief meal had given them some of their strength back, but the shock of the encounter with the masked one hadn't helped. Ludlov had been in the dark for so long, 
he didn't know where they were anymore, let alone what time it was in the world above. It was hard to believe that that world still existed. Samina remained remarkably poised throughout it all. Her strength never seemed to wane, even though she had been upholding a difficult spell for some hours at a time. It was becoming ever clearer to Ludlove that she was no ordinary witch girl. Eventually the corridor narrowed so much they had to stoop almost to a crawl. It was there that they found a wooden trapdoor right above their heads. Soft light peered through the cracks between the boards that made up the trapdoor. Ludlove tried to open it, but failed to do so. Frustrated, he drew his rapier and stuck the blade between the two middle boards. He pushed it up, shaking the handle, hoping to be able to find leverage and loosen the two boards. It didn't help. His blade was too thin. He dropped the weapon and turned to Samina. She stood there, arms folded, looking at him with one eyebrow raised. Are you quite dumb? Well, what do you suggest? He had never felt so foolish in his life. Samina shook her head in exasperation. Stand aside, witch hunter. She closed her eyes, and for the first time in hours, the light she had summoned disappeared. It was surprisingly dark all of a sudden. For a moment, all Ludlow could see was the light between the wooden boards. That light was tame and distant compared to what Samina had been carrying throughout their subterranean journey. Samina, don't exert yourself. Ludlow thought back to the way she had collapsed after opening the way into the sewers at the city walls. Samina didn't reply. Instead, he felt how she took the weapon from his hand. A moment later, he heard a grunt of effort from Samina, followed by creaking wood, and saw the sliver of light becoming wider. You'll have to finish the job. I'm not tall enough. He couldn't help but laugh. (laughs) What did you do? There was a loose board, Ludlov. I used your rapier to loosen it a bit further. You have to be more observant sometimes. (laughs) And here I was, thinking you would set the wood on fire or something. What sort of archmage do you take me for, witch hunter? I'm just a little witch. (laughs) Ludlove finished the job by knocking loose some of the remaining boards with the butt of his pistol. It was easy now, but incredibly noisy. If there was anyone nearby, they would surely have heard the racket. Ludlove couldn't care. After all, they had followed the storyteller's instructions and he couldn't believe the creature would have led them into enemy territory. He crawled out of the battered trapdoor first and was surprised to find himself in a windowless and lonesome but rather beautiful environment. There were several rows of pillars supporting the low ceiling which arched and formed domes between every four pillars. The floor was made of slightly worn and irregular but clean tiles of bluestone and there were niches in the walls where small statues of saints and historical figures stood. There were several heavy wooden doors on each of the four sides of the room, too. Suddenly, it occurred to Ludlow that he knew precisely where they were. 
in the undercrofts of the Grand Cathedral. The catacombs. He had visited them before, even though he had never seen these particular quarters. He knew there were many separate sections to the catacombs, which stretched for vast distances underneath the greatest feat of architecture in the known world. Ludlow? He knelt by the hole in the floor and extended his hand. I'll pull you up, Samina. She accepted his offer. Luckily, she wasn't very heavy. At last, they were both standing in their new environment. Fire danced soundlessly in the copper sconces on the pillars, causing the room to bathe in a soft, warm glow. We are underneath the cathedral. Listen, you can even hear the monks singing far above us. The reverend choir song sounded airy and distant, but still it reminded Ludlow of how close they were to everything they were fleeing. Samina had a distant look on her face as well. What's wrong? I just don't see how this will lead us to Sigurd. Neither do I. The storyteller said there was a story. There has to be something to be found here that can help us. Suddenly, Samina jabbed her elbow into Ludlow's side and pointed to a daze in the back of the room. There stood a bronze sarcophagus, engraved with abstract symbols and ornaments. She walked over to the tomb, Bloodlove following closely behind. There was no dust on the massive stone lid. The name was clearly legible. Hieronymus Voronitz. By the goddess. This must be the something. He didn't even need to ask the question. He shot a glance at Samina, she replied with a nod, and together they put in their best effort to slide the lid of the sarcophagus. It was immensely heavy and made a growling sound, like some massive animal disturbed from a winter's sleep as they slowly pushed it aside. Once the lid was half open, they stopped and inspected the inside of the tomb. It was padded on all sides with gleaming ruby-red silk. On the soft fabric lay a skeleton. Time has not been kind on our friend. Ludlow frowned as he regarded the remains. Don't you notice anything strange about this skeleton, Samina? The bones are black. Charred, I think. Ludlow bent his head and took a closer look. The silk padding has been perfectly preserved. That means that the cardinal was already in this state when he was interred. Samina was quiet, keeping her eyes closed. Ludlow noticed how her hands were clasping the edge of the sarcophagus. A warm glow moved through the room, like a maelstrom of some invisible force swirling towards Samina at its center. He knew this feeling as he knew the light that Samina had used to find her way through the darkness. It felt familiar, safe and comforting. Samina was using her magic. There's a hidden compartment somewhere in this sarcophagus. Her face was solemn, her eyes still closed. Moving her hand over the skeleton, she slowly walked along the edge of the sarcophagus. Ludlow took a step aside to let her pass. When her hand was hovering over the cardinal's feet, she stopped. It's here. When she opened her eyes, the warm vortex ebbed away, 
Glints of pleasure were in her eyes as they met Ludlow's. Touch the padding at the foot end. There was a mysterious smile on her lips. Ludlow put his hand into the sarcophagus and touched the lining. He didn't notice anything special. You're an inquisitor. Dig a little deeper, Ludlow. There was such confidence in her voice that Ludlow simply obeyed and slid his fingers into the narrow space between the cushion that rested the cardinal's remains and the padding at the foot end of the sarcophagus. He didn't notice anything until he took off his glove and tried again. As his fingertips searched the opening, he suddenly felt something cold, made of metal. It was round, like a ring. He put one finger into the ring and pulled. The ring appeared from between the cushions. It was nothing more than a simple circle of copper, but there was a fine chain attached to it. This had to be it. His heart beating fast in his chest, Ludlow carefully pulled until the chain was fully extended and he heard a single click. Then the padded lining at the cardinal's feet suddenly fell open, revealing a hidden compartment just big enough to contain a book the size of Ludlow's hand, bound in calfskin leather. Ludlow's mouth fell open with astonishment. Semina stood there with her arms folded, smiling proudly. That was incredible. He had met many mages who could sense the presence of living things, but to be able to reveal the hidden presence of a lifeless mechanical system the way she had just done, that betrayed a mastery that he had simply never known it even existed, and she hadn't even spoken a word of Arcanic out loud. Perhaps Samina was just a gypsy girl, but with training she could become one of the greatest mages the world had ever known. He was absolutely certain of that now, and to his shock he found that prospect terrifying. She was such a pure person now, what would she become if she ever fulfilled her true potential? Then again, if it was there, that meant the goddess had given it to her for a reason. Samina shrugged. It's nothing special, Ludlow. Yes, it was. He took his glove from the lid of the sarcophagus and put it back on. Then he carefully extricated the book from its hidden compartment. He stopped breathing when he saw the cover. The brownish leather featured no words. Instead, there was only a symbol he knew all too well. A black sickle and a single drop dangling from its blade. Fear and hatred both rushed through Ludlow's heart at once. But still he took a deep breath and simply opened the old book. The leather creaked and he heard the whispering sound of dust fleeing from between the pages. The paper was stiff and yellow, the words written in brown-red ink. It might have been blood. He felt a heat behind his eyes as he looked at Samina. Manifesto of the Black Sickle, it says. By Hieronymus Voronitz. This confirmed his darkest suspicions. The storyteller hadn't lied. 
Voronets had been the one to take the stones from their dark origins. Voronets had been the originator of the Black Sickle. The most influential man in a thousand years of the church's history. The man who had changed this great city's name from Evenemborg to Seven Peaks. He was the man behind the Black Sickle. Does this mean that the Black Sickle was founded by the church itself? I can't imagine that. Still, this is worse than anything I had ever envisioned. The entire community of Seven Peaks Faithful has been infiltrated, misled, and purposefully deformed by its greatest enemy. By my greatest enemy. The book was a diary of sorts. Most of it was written in lingua. Only the final few pages were composed in the high thotic language as it was used in Voronitz's day. Ludlove read it. Remembrance Day of the Maiden, 1277. The stage has now been set for the grand farce. The church and all of Seven Beaks have long believed that Lucas slew the maiden many centuries ago, after which her blood and tears formed the Seven Sacred Stones. The goddess would then have given these stones to mankind until they were stolen by servants of Lucas. All now believe that in these stones lies the strength of the seven virtues, needed to withstand the armies of Lucus when he returns. All will praise me when they think I have found the sacred stones for them. The stones will rest in seven spires, which will be built around the cathedral. At last, the people will feel complete and safe. Finally, how wrong they will be. To all those who follow in my bloodline, I write this, the truth about the world. Many years have I studied the history of Seven Peaks, and learned that the hard truth about its early years can only be found in one place. Deep underneath the city, in the ghost streets. There lies the entrance to the abyss. What I saw when I took that road changed my life forever. The world consists of layers. The heavens are the realm of the goddess. The earth is the domain of man. Man who lives in blissful ignorance, not knowing what lurks beneath his feet. There is the abyss. But it is not the deepest layer. Still deeper lies inferno which I call hell, in the tongue of the barbarians of the Horn Mountains. Hell is where Lucas lives. For many centuries, he has been chained to the deep end of the world, 
but still his influence has grown. Now his power already reaches one level higher into the abyss. That is where he gathers the souls of all those who turn to him in despair, seeking forgiveness with the only god they knew. No sadder sight have I seen than those servants of his. In infinite melancholy, they do all what their master bids. Eternal slavery to pay for a single sin. One sin. I have sinned all my life. What will await me then? Will the goddess save me? She didn't save those poor souls in the abyss. Will the maiden save me? No, for she is dead, killed by a Lucas. Only Lucas can protect my soul from his own wrath if I serve him willingly. And so, this shall be the manifesto of the Black Sickle to serve Lucas, so that all who follow in my line of chosen followers will be granted the honor of his grace and his protection when the kingdom of blood-red fire at last comes. The maiden is dead. The goddess has turned her face away from us. Our fate lies in his dark hands. Our hope in matricide. Our salvation in the eclipse of our souls. His kingdom will come, whatever the people may hope, whatever the people may believe, his kingdom will come. It will come, for I will make it so. You who are chosen, read carefully, for this is the truth. I have gathered the seven stones. They were given to me by the lost souls who live in the abyss. These stones are not sacred. They were made by Lucas himself. They do not contain the virtues of the maiden. They are made of darkness and they feed on the cowardice of Lucas's enemies. Every deed without honor, every decision of fear and indifference strengthens the stones as they rest in the seven spires. It will take centuries, but knowing the people of Ivenenborg, one day the stones will be filled. On that day, they will be taken to the abyss to be used in a ritual that will bring back Lucas himself. He will rise again and walk the earth. Here he will sit on his mighty throne, and here he will rule for all time. And from here he will stage his heavenly war against the goddess. This, then, is my will and testament. Upon my death, my secret will be passed on to you, chosen follower. 
you will pass it on to a single follower of your own, who will guard the stones and hide these grand designs. And so the secret shall pass through the generations until the stones are ready. The secret will be maintained. The church must never know. The people must never know. Not until it is too late. Ludlov closed the book with a dull clap. I think we've read enough. Indeed. We were led to this information for a reason, Ludlov. Seeker wanted us to know this. She leaned on the edge of the sarcophagus, arms folded, deep in thought. The seven stones are evil. They will be used in some sort of ritual that's supposed to summon Lucas from beneath the earth. Who knows about this beside us? Ludlove shrugged. Two people at most, I think. If Voronitz's manifesto was obeyed in the ranks of the Black Circle... Considering how they managed to keep their true goals hidden to this day, I think they did obey it. The church has been deceived for centuries. Worse, we're being pushed to the brink, towards Lucas himself. The people have to know the truth, if it's not too late. Samina bit her lip and gave him a worried look. You're right, Ludlov, but I don't think the church will appreciate your message. That was true. If they were to reveal that the ultimate enemy had been in charge since the beginning of Seven Peaks, who would ever trust the church again, particularly in a time without a strong leader? Ludlov was reminded of the fact that the ailing cardinal had refused to name a follower to this day. If he died... It meant the church would be left without a leader. That was the time, according to ancient rumors, when the church of the goddess would come to an end. Suddenly he faced the true meaning of that. The end of the church. The end of the witch hunters. The end of Seven Peaks. I don't know, Samina. The truth may save us all. Even if this does mean the end of the church as it exists now, if this institution no longer serves the goddess, then it is no longer her church. It is a usurper. It has been that way ever since Voronitz appeared. Remember how I told you about the pre-Voronitzian scriptura? That was the church once. Very well, but you are one man, Ludlov. You are aware of the pre-Voronitian church, but I can tell you, most people are not. They would not believe you if you were the cardinal himself, which you aren't. You are a fugitive witch hunter, allied with a witch. Samina was right, of course. It was an uncharacteristically pessimistic appraisal of the situation for her, but it was correct. Still, this revelation was too great, too important. When he really started thinking about the implications of this document, he became dizzy. The teacher's message, the similarities between his appearance and the masked ones who were obviously members of the Black Sickle, everything indicated that the Black Sickle had instigated the Magicide Act for its own purposes. 
and that meant that the time of prophecy had to be very close. The time when the stones would be filled with the cowardice and dishonor of the people. The time when Lucas would be ready to rise from hell. What would happen, Ludlow could not even imagine. In any case, this message was a thousand times more important than their own lives. Still, the question remained how they were going to convey the message. They couldn't even show themselves in the city. Publicly revealing the manifesto of the Black Sickle would not work. They would simply be put to death. Another path was needed. A subtle path. He took another look at the book in his hand. It was just a small volume, just some ink on paper bound in leather, and yet it had the power to change the world. With that realization, he put the book in the inside breast pocket of his coat. If we only knew who Voronitz's current follower is, or followers, if there are more than one. And what their plans are. Why did the storyteller lead us here, and what does it have to do with Sigurd? Sigurd. He had been the one who had led them to the storyteller, and indirectly to this place. Do you think he found out about the Black Sickle's plans somehow? And intended to warn us? I don't know. It's the only explanation I can think of. But where is he? Ludlow understood her worry and even shared it, even though he had never met Sigurd. Still, he secretly began to doubt there was any chance Samina would ever see her brother again. Infiltrating the Black Sickle had been a terrible sacrifice on Sigurd's part. His message in the treehouse had ultimately led them here, to the Black Sickle's great secret. There was a good chance that his betrayal had already been found out, and he had paid for it with his life. Ludlow preferred not to think about that. Well, at least we know what the Black Sickle intends to do. That brings us one tiny step closer to stopping them, and the Magicide along with them. His own greatest question remained painfully unanswered, though. Why had they killed Maria? Why did she have to die? What connection was there between her and the revelations in this book? We should discuss these things later, Samina. We have to find a safe place now where we can plan ahead. The woods. It's the safest place I know. Ludlow nodded. That made sense. If we return by the exact same route we used to get here, we can avoid being noticed. He took the book, which was small enough that he managed to slide it into the breast pocket of his uniform, and took a look at the half-open sarcophagus. It was probably best to close it again. This room was obviously still being maintained and even lit. It surprised him, as he had never actually visited it himself, but it made sense for an important man such as Voronitz to be buried in the catacombs underneath the cathedral. He was just about to put his full weight against the heavy lid when Samina tapped his shoulder. He turned to her. She held her index finger on her lips. Ludlow listened closely. He could hear it. 
Beyond the heavy wooden door on the far side of the room, there was the sound of heavy boots and two loud male voices. Samina gestured with her head to the trapdoor they had used to enter the room. Loose boards lay spread around the floor surrounding it. Ludlov mouthed the curse and used all the strength he could muster to close the lid of the sarcophagus, while Samina made a hasty attempt to rearrange the loose boards so that it might look like the trapdoor was still intact. The result would never fool an attentive eye, but to anyone who just walked by, it would look sound enough not to draw attention. It was the best they could do. Now Samina tiptoed to the closest door in the other direction and opened it. There was a narrow spiral staircase leading steeply upward. Where does this lead? Ludlov quickly joined her and motioned for her to move up. Then he closed the door behind the two of them. I think it leads to the cathedral. Let's go then. He shook his head. Don't go yet. First, let me take a peek through the keyhole. He heard an annoyed sigh behind his back. It didn't matter. He had to know who their pursuers were. Bending over, he peered through the tiny keyhole in the door. It wasn't long before the door on the other side opened, and two guards entered the area. Ah, it's just a dusty old tomb. That was the younger of the two. What would they be doing in here? Our orders, Falsberg, were to search the entire cathedral. The elder companion spoke with a mild Parslavanian accent in his Ivanenborg. Ludlov knew that voice. It was Leon Milivojevich, the guard who had stabled his horse when he had entered the city on the night of the Great Fire. Open every door. Immediately Ludlov turned around and whispered, Zamina, go. The girl hastened up the staircase. Ludlov tried to catch up with her as fast as he could without making noise. Her bare feet didn't have a problem with that, but his heavy boots weren't ideal for sneaking. As quickly and quietly as they could manage, they made their way up the staircase until they arrived at a small chapel. It was a square room with a high, sharply domed ceiling. Statues of ancient cardinals looked at them accusingly from their niches, half-lit by candelabras. It was perfectly quiet here. So that was this week's episode of Witch Hunter. We'll be back next Thursday with the adventures of Ludlov and Samina. If you want to find out more about Witch Hunter, you can find us at audio-epics.com and we also have a Facebook page, the Audio Epics Facebook page. Have a great week, everyone.